So I'm so glad that you guys would join us. This is week two um, of Advent, and um, this is a, a new experience for a lot of us here, especially people who come from non-denominational churches. Advent is a super new concept. To me, I feel like I went the first probably 25 years of my Christian faith not even really knowing the word Advent uh, at all. But um, it's a, a really cool season, really, season of Advent for the Christians. It's the beginning of the church calendar, and um, it's just a, a really cool season. It's a way that they kind of honor uh, the holidays. It's the beginning. And um, it's really about, I guess, waiting uh, and anticipating for uh, the Christ to come. It's about light and seeing the light that is coming. But maybe more than anything, it's just learning to hope again and learning uh, to believe again. I have a quote by probably my favorite um, Catholic, one of my favorite two Catholics, uh, Henry Nouwen. And he says this, he says, often it is the dark forest that makes us speak uh, about the open field. Frequently, prison makes us think about freedom. Hunger helps us to appreciate food, and war gives us words for peace. Most often, our vision of the future is born out of the suffering of the present and our hope for others out of our own despair. And listen to this. The paradox is indeed that new life is born out of the pains of the old. So really, I think that this uh, quote is, it really sums up to me kind of what uh, Advent is about, about waiting, but also believing that something great is coming. And I also think that this quote really sums up in a very interesting way, the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, of course, is a major prophet in the Old Testament. And it's an amazing thing because you see in the book of Isaiah, you see a really interesting contrast between unbelievable despair uh, and unbelievable sorrow and suffering. And it's kind of mixed with like this deep sense of hope that things are going to come and get better. It's one of the reasons that the book of Isaiah is really probably one of, if not the most uh, well-known books when it comes to the Advent season. So that brings us to Isaiah chapter 11. That's where we're going to be tonight. If you're taking notes, Isaiah 11, we're going to start with verse 1, and we're going to read all the way to verse 9. Isaiah says this, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. Verse 3, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Verse 5, righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Verse 6, the wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and the little child will lead them. Talking about Jesus. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. Verse 8, the infant will play near the cobra's den, and my wife's favorite verse of the Bible, the young child will put its hands in the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So my title tonight is this hope against hope. Hope against hope. Have you ever heard that phrase, hope against hope? It just basically means this, hope when there's no good reason to have any hope. And I think that really kind of sums up the Advent season. Will you bow your heads and let's pray. Uh, Father, we come before you, Lord, uh, tonight and just in this season of such hope and anticipation. And uh, this is just a time where we wait in in a world Uh, that is filled with so much chaos and confusion, uh, we wait and we remember your promises. 
just when we feel abandoned, uh, we remember that we're not. Uh, And when we feel like there is no hope, we remember that there's always hope. And where it seems like there's no beauty, we remember that there's always beauty. And so we come and we just wait for you. And we we turn our attention uh, to seeing you and uh, to just receiving from you. We say thank you and we love you. It's in your son's name name we pray. Everybody said Amen. amen. So uh, the book of Isaiah, it really covers a huge amount of time. That's one thing that's kind of interesting about uh, the prophet Isaiah. Um, But really, the book, even though it's a big book, it's really centered around the exile of the Israelites that happens in 6th century BC. And if you guys probably, I'm sure you know this, all you Bible scholars, you know that the whole story of the Old Testament is all kind of centered around this idea of this covenant between God and uh, Abraham. He comes to Abraham and he says this, you are going to be a great nation and your people are going to be the light to all the nations. And he says this, through you and your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So God comes and he's incredibly faithful um, despite our unbelievable unfaithfulness. He's still kind. He comes and he rescues us out of Egypt uh, through Moses, of course. But I would say that really the highlight of the Old Testament when it comes to this covenant between God and the Israelites, really um, it comes to uh, a culmination during the reign of King David. Um, This is a time in the Israelite story where it really seems like everything is going great. Everything is awesome. It seems like all their hopes, it seems like all of their dreams are coming true. They're uh, not currently in a season where they're under the oppression of any nation, which is something they find themselves in a lot, but they're free people. They have their own king, and their king is actually a good guy. In fact, if you read uh, the Old Testament, some of the most beautiful poetry that we find in the entire Old Testament is written um, in giving uh, gratitude and expressing how beautiful God is uh, during the reign of David. This is a great time of celebration uh, for the Israelites. Well, if you know your Bibles, I'm sure you probably know this, uh, that here pretty soon it all goes bad uh, for the precious um, Israelites. There's some kings following David that don't serve God, and they find themselves in a season of exile. Uh, and you can kind of see this like progression happen in the book of Isaiah, where things are good and things start to turn and the Israelites start to go bad and things go really bad and they find them, themselves in kind of like this despair. But then there's also like this hope thing uh, that happens. Uh, for example, Isaiah chapter two, verse seven and eight, this is kind of at the beginning. You can kind of see uh, the towering tree that is the Israelite people in these scriptures. Verse seven, it says this, their land is full of silver and gold. There is no end to their treasure. Their land is full of horses. There is no end to their chariots. Their land is full of idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, uh, to what their fingers have made. So basically what he's saying is this, that Israelite, the Israelites are the king of the world right now. But when, uh, they, when they find themselves getting into power and when they find themselves getting into wealth, they start to act kind of like everybody else uh, does. They, they end up relaxing, they end up getting comfortable, uh, and they end up forgetting the poor, they forget the marginalized, and they forget the uh, oppressed. In fact, in these scriptures, it talks about how they put their trust in horses and chariots. That's like an Old Testament way of saying they put their trust in military might. That instead of finding their, their peace um, and security in Jesus or, or in their relationship with God the Father, uh, really they, they just had all these horse and chariots, which are basically like tanks and soldiers. 
modern day, but they put their trust in those things. And then it, it talks about how they would worship idols, which really Walter Bergman, he is a real interesting theologian guy, and he kind of makes this parallel that uh, when it's talking about idol worship, kind of the, the closest thing that we have as like a modern day equivalent would be us putting our trust in like technology, that you can see like idol worship in the Old Testament, how there's kind of like parallels our reliance on technology today, that there's just something that we have built with our own hands that kind of has become this thing that we trust uh, more than we trust in God. So you can see this progression, how you can, can you already see how it's like, yeah, things are good, but I can see how things are starting to turn a bit sour. Uh, let's fast forward one chapter, Isaiah chapter three, verse five. It says this, people will oppress each other, man against man, neighbor against neighbor. The young will rise up against the old, the nobody against the honored. It's interesting, Isaiah is saying, is saying this, that basically no one could challenge the elite. There was this elite class and no one could challenge them. They were the top and they just kept getting higher and higher and higher uh, as they neglected um, the poor of their own community. And that was a kind of against the original idea of the Israelites. The original idea for Israel is that no one would ever lack God has come and he, he gave uh, instructions in the, in the book of Leviticus to care for their poor, to care for the alien. It's a Bible term for Im- immigrant, uh, the widow, care for the oppressed. Basically, and the idea is this, that everyone would be looking out for each other. And you can kind of see this parallel in the book of Acts in the New Testament where everyone sells all of their belongings to care for the community uh, together. So they neglect that, and, and they end up uh, being selfish. And you can kind of see this slow descent in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah, where like at once they were at the top, they were at the, the, the pinnacle of the world, but because of their selfishness, by the time we find ourselves in Isaiah chapter 11, it uses this analogy of uh, the Israelites being a tree that has been chopped down, and all of the hopes and all of the promises that had been theirs because of God uh, really seemed dead. And this idea of the Israelites being this great nation just seems in so many ways like uh, incredibly absurd because they have fallen uh, so far. Brings us to Isaiah 11, verse 1. We already read it at the beginning, but let's read it again. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. So it's an interesting thing, but what he's saying is this, is there's this amazing towering tree which is the people of God. And this tree is supposed to bring fruit and it's supposed to bring blessing uh, to the world. But this tree has been cut down. uh, So now this amazing tree is nothing more uh, than a simple stump. And I don't know how much stump watching you do, but, uh, but traditionally nothing good comes out of a stump. You know what I mean? Like nothing else, nothing else happens. Earlier this year, my wife and I, we actually had um, a tree that died in our front yard. Old age, I'm assuming. We'll go with old age. Nothing to do with watering. Uh, so we had to have these people. They came out and they have chopped down. So now we have like this really tiny little, uh, well, it's big, but it's really low, like a couple inches in our front yard of just this stump. And it should surprise no one that over this past year, Nothing has happened. Like, that's just what ha- by the time, uh, By the time a tree has been cut down to a stump, that's pretty much the end of that tree's story. Like, nothing else is coming. Nothing else is happening uh, because it's just a stump. The best thing that you can do is come and remove the remains of the stump. It's not like a seed. 
You know what I mean? Like you can put, you can put a seed in the ground and something happens. You can't just leave a stump in the ground and expect something like a, a gigantic tree to just grow back uh, from a stump. That doesn't, doesn't work like that. So my next slide, just understand this. Uh, when a great tree has been reduced to a stump, it's past the point of having anything to look forward to. You understand that? It's like when it's a stump, it's over. The story is over. I just want you to appreciate how complete this image is in the book of Isaiah, that there was this tree that was the Israelite people, and they were once so full of life and full of beauty and full of hope and full of promise. I mean, this was God's people, his only people. And, and Isaiah describes them as being reduced to, um, to a stump, where there's nothing good uh, that's going to happen. But then there's this picture that Isaiah sees in chapter 11, and it's this, out of the stump comes a shoot, which is just just Bible talk for a tiny little branch. So a tiny little branch pops out uh, from a stump, and that doesn't happen. You know what I mean? And, And of course, it's, again, it's tiny. It doesn't, it doesn't, mean that everything goes back to the way that it was before. Um, It's small. It's unglamorous. It's uh, unimpressive. It's not some huge tree, um, but it's just this tiny little sprout of something green that has come from something that we just assume uh, is over. And so this is a story, this is kind of an image maybe uh, in the book of Isaiah about how God takes things and also how God takes uh, people who have been really like sawed down to where there's nothing left but just a stump, and all of a sudden, there's like a little bit of green there, and there's like a little bit of something uh, to see. It's not, enu- it's not enough to get excited about. It's not like there's some incredible uh, thing happening. It's just this tiny little thing. It's just like you walk by, and it's just like, where did that come from? It's just like this tiny little branch that has come from this place of utter uh, destruction, So uh, how does this happen in the book of Isaiah? Well, it answers its own question in Isaiah 11, verse 2. It says this, the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. So how does the sawed-off stump produce life? Uh, The answer is this, only by the spirit of God. But it comes and it breathes. And uh, I love that the Bible talks about the spirit of God as this wild spirit, that can't be controlled and it can't be contained. In fact, the Bible, when describing the Spirit of God, it describes it as being like the wind that just blows wherever uh, it wants. So Isaiah comes and he says, he says this, out of nowhere comes the Spirit. And you might be thinking, well, what is, what is he talking about, this Spirit? Of course, what he's talking about, uh, even in 6th century B.C., he's talking about the arrival of Jesus. He's talking about this light that comes uh, amidst unbelievable uh, darkness. Verse 2, we'll read through verse 4. It says this, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. Verse 3, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Talking about Jesus, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he he hears with his ears. Verse 4, Uh, But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions uh, for the poor of the earth. So this is the picture that Isaiah sees when he sees Jesus coming. And when this shoot comes up out of the stump, what Jesus promises to do, which of course he did and continues to do, is he promises to elevate the poor and bless the poor, and bless the people who have been uh, forgotten. And so this is a scripture, of course, that is about Jesus. But it's also a scripture about you. 
and it's a story about me too, and it's kind of us learning how uh, God works. And I just, I just want to say this, that it's just always the case uh, that when you feel like hope is totally gone, or when you feel like there's nothing positive uh, to be looked at, when there's no reason to be encouraged, when there's no good report from the doctor, uh, when, when you feel like nothing good is happening in your relationship, when you feel just like everything bad uh, is happening, there's no reason for hope whatsoever. We just remember this, that the Spirit of God can and does come and blow wherever it can and wherever it wants. And I, I just think as strange as it sounds, there's this amazing interaction with darkness and light that like when things feel really dark, it's when God is able to come uh, and move in the most powerful ways. My, my next slide, I, I just think this is so true. And it took me a long time to get to this place. I'll be honest. I didn't always used to think this, but I really believe this. Uh, when things in your life have been reduced to a stump, that's when God does his best work. You know what I'm saying? When you feel, when you feel like there's no reason to believe anymore, it's just God is able to come and do something really uh, beautiful. When, when you get to the place where you just say, like, unless the Spirit of God comes and blows, there will be no life. Like, it will be over unless he shows up. I just think that's the time when you see him show up. I, and that, that's for me, it's like, I've just got to the place as a pastor when I talk to people. I know there's people who go through unbelievable hard times and as much compassion I have in the world for them. But I, but I also, when I see people in really brutally hard times, there's just something in me that has started to, to find my way to faith in those places because I just feel like it's always darkest before God comes and does something really bright and beautiful. And that's kind of like the season of Advent is that no matter where you're at, you can find your way back to this place of believing that he's doing something really good and really, uh, really um, pure. You, know, you may, this may not surprise anybody. This is the shortest, most simple message uh, that I've ever preached, and preached, but this may not surprise anybody. I was a pretty weird kid. Uh, my mom could tell you that. I was a pretty unusual kid. Uh, I insisted on wearing my jacket backwards, but my mom was always really, my parents both were really interesting. They always just let me uh, exp- have creative expression. They were fine with it. So there was a time when I insisted on wearing my jacket forward with the hood in the front. Y'all know these weird stories. Uh, we would go to the mall, so I was the kid. I don't know. But there was just a ton of things like that with me. Um, and so I just, I just think that when I think about my own story and I think about where I've come from, um, there's, just, there's just no one expected this to happen. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, no one was expecting this to be the case. Most of all, me and my parents, probably. Uh, but I, I'm here and I see all these people and there's like, these are people in this room that were just my friends, my friends growing up. And nobody expected me to be the guy on the stage with the microphone that people call pastor. Nobody, like, I, nobody saw that coming. But there's just something about, I think, the way that God moves in a really uh, beautiful way. And just, just knowing this, that all along God was working. You know, and, so, and I, don't know, I don't know what that is for you, but I know that there's so many different stories in this room and so many people, and there's, there's people in this room that are probably just doing like so awesome and that's super great. But I think there's, I know that there's a lot of people in this room that feel like there's things in their own life where they have literally no hope. And, and this is, so this is the season for you. This is the time when you can see that there is light that comes and shines bright uh, in the darkness. I was talking, I preached in Maine, the Maine sanctuary a little while ago. And uh, I was there, and I talked to this lady. She came up to me after, 
uh, and she wanted prayer. I always feel like I'm really awkward in, in these times, truthfully. Uh, I'm still growing in it, but she, there was this lady, and she was talking to me, and she was probably in her, I don't know, 40s or something like that, but basically, she had recently discovered um, that her husband had cheated on her. So old, 40, <laughs> probably some old-ish, <laughs> older than me. Did I say she was super old and then say she was 40? <laughs> she was, now I'm gonna, now I'm gonna, Nicole. Uh, I don't know how old she was. 40s. <laughs> uh, but man, she, she, uh, she was at this place. She was, she was um, again, I'm so awkward in these places, but people want to come up and talk to you uh, after you preach. But she had told me, uh, basically what had happened is she had found out that her husband had been cheating. I think he finally came to her and just said that. And so he was going to be fighting her for like custody of the kids and the kids didn't know uh, about any of it. Um, and it, so it's just so weird and so strange for me when I find myself in, in places like that because I don't even know the right thing to say uh, a lot of times. But I was just there with this woman, and I, we prayed, of course. But I, I also just, like, looked at her for a minute, and I just thought, man, this is a lady that I'm sure has been through emotions that I can't even fathom in so many different ways. But then I just, I just think of her as this is a person who is on this unbelievably tough journey, but she's just still here. You know what I mean? She's still here, and she's still standing right here. And, and there's just something that, I, that like filled my heart with hope in those moments, and I just felt like the compassion of God that was so strong, but also just this deep sense that like God was going to do something really cool uh, and really, really beautiful. Uh, even though it's dark, just, you, you're just still here. And, and there's never... Um, there's never a reason to totally give up hope. There's never a reason for total despair, no matter where you find yourself. Uh, and I just want you to know this, that God is not done. You know what I mean? And like the story's not over. Your story is not over. And there's, you, you've never found yourself past the place where God can come and bring light uh, in the places where you thought there could be no light. You know, and, and whatever you have in your life where you feel like, you're cut down, and what you are is really a stump. It, where there used to be hope, and there used to be faith, and there used to be courage, um, it's just gone, and it just feels like what is there is a stump. I just want you to know, if you would go a little bit farther and, and look a little bit closer, I bet if you could see with eyes of faith, you would see that there's a little bit of green there, and there's something um, beautiful uh, happening there. I just think at moments where you feel like you're cut down, God is able to come in and do um, his best work in so many ways. And I don't know what that um, looks like for you. And I would never want to embarrass people because uh, I, I know when I look out and don't worry, your, all your secrets are safe. But I just, I just know because I talk to you guys, I know when I look at all the faces represented in these rooms, um, all the stories here. And I, I just believe it's a fact, and some of you guys will be able to say this about your own life, just that the fact that you are still here and the fact that you have even found yourself in a community like this um, is a miracle. And there's something beautiful um, that has happened there. And just no matter how far you feel like you've been cut down, this is the simplest message 
This is the simplest series. I just want you to know this, that God is ready to do his best work. It's not just over. It's not over just because it looks over. That's, if, if that's the message you need to hear, this is the season for you. It's not over just because it looks like it's over. And when there's things that, that come and they seem so overwhelming, if you can just choose to turn your eyes up and see that there's something beautiful that God is doing all the time, um, because he's not scared. Even when we're scared, he's not scared. And even when, we're, um, even when we find ourselves without hope, he's not without hope. And he can still come and do something uh, really beautiful. Uh, we're going to prepare for communion. It's a, such a simple night and such a simple message in so many ways. But I just, want, I just want to keep beating you over the head with that, really, that like whatever it is that makes you feel like you're a stump, whatever it is that um, makes you feel like there's no hope, there's no use trying, that like just that ship has sailed, uh, those, boats ha- those boats have been burned, like there is always reason to hope. And there's always, there's always something beautiful that God uh, can do if you look a little bit closer. Whatever that stump is for you, I bet you would see that there's a little bit of green there. Uh, I recently reread the book, The Diary of a Young Girl, Anne Frank. You guys ever read that? Um, It's a great book. I bet a lot of you guys had to read it in middle school or something. But uh, The Diary of Anne Frank, basically, it's a story of a young girl. It's her diaries. I actually have a picture of Anne Frank for you. Uh, I know you guys all know this story, or most of you know this story, but it's, it's a, a precious girl. She's, I believe, 13 uh, in this photo, and she's killed by the Nazis. And so uh, years later, they end up coming and releasing these uh, diary entries. They just found scrawled, like, sprawled up across the floor, and they were able to gather them together and kind of try to find some order, uh, and they turn it into a book, kind of like change the world in so many different ways. Well, at 13 years old as a Jewish girl, her family goes into hiding. And for two years, uh, they hide in this like tiny little room that's behind a bookcase. And so throughout the day, there's people in the house. So they have to be quiet all day so that people can't hear them. Um, And so then finally at night, when everyone would leave for the night, they could make like a little bit of sound and like play a little game or have a little conversation or something. Uh, It's during those two years where they're in hiding that she does most of her writing. But uh, after two years, she's finally discovered, um, and her family is all shipped off. Uh, She is shipped off to uh, the Auschwitz concentration camp. And, uh, oh, excuse me, when she's 15, she she arrives. And as soon as they arrive, everyone everyone who is under 15 is instantly sent to the gas chambers thousands of them. She had just turned 15 three months earlier. So she, w- so she was spared uh, the instant gas chambers. So instead, uh, she's stripped naked, uh, her head is shaved, uh, and she's tattooed. And this, this sweet little girl, she, uh, she develops an extreme case of what is called scabbies, uh, aka uh, the seven-year itch. It's, uh, it's something that happens where the mites will dig into your skin uh, and lay eggs there. And so her body was covered. So I don't know if you can or even should uh, imagine what a 15-year-old girl uh, looks with no hair, naked, body covered with sores. Uh, But that's kind of the plight um, of this book. And of course, nobody actually knows what ultimately kills her. Uh, It could be disease. It could be execution. But they do know that she dies just a few weeks before the camp is liberated uh, from the British soldiers. 
So it's an amazing journey. But what, what's amazing is when you read her uh, story, the, her whole story is about hope. Her whole story is about like learning to be um, hopeful and a person who has literally no reason <laughs> to be hopeful. You know what I mean? Like picture you, American, going through hard things and it's just, it's not even the same world. And I know oftentimes there's examples like this and we don't even know how to fathom, fathom them. So I, I understand that, but I just think it's an, it's an amazing experience. If you haven't read it, you should read it because it's, it's a girl who's going through things that most of us have no idea and she's just possibly, it's, it, the book is actually kind of funny in a lot of places, but it's so hopeful and uh, adorable and beautiful. I just have a, a short paragraph that I want to read. I think it's appropriate for Advent. Um, and Frank says this, I just think she's so amazing. Uh, she says this, we're much too young to deal with these problems, but they keep thrusting themselves on us. It's difficult in times like these, ideals, dreams, and cherished hopes rise within us only to be crushed by grim reality. Listen to this. Yet I cling to them because I still believe, in spite of everything, that people are truly good at heart. It's utterly impossible for me to build my life on a foundation of chaos, suffering, and death. I see the world being slowly transformed into the wilderness. I hear the approaching thunder that one day will destroy us too. I feel the suffering of millions. And yet when I look up at the sky, I somehow feel that everything will change for the better, that this cruelty too shall end, that peace and tranquility will return once more. I just think that's, just, that's Advent, you know? It's just, it's just this season of learning to believe uh, that something can get better. And even, even when you feel like you're that stump, just that there's something beautiful that God can come and do. And in this season of Advent, hope rises. And so we come and we invite him into our situations. Uh, and we remember this, that he's the master at bringing good out of evil. Just, just remember that. He's the master at bringing good out of evil. He's the master at bringing success out of failure. He's the master at bringing healing out of disaster. And just for dreams that have died uh, for you, maybe for your family. I just think God is wanting to come and grow something beautiful and green there. So uh, as they pass communion, I'm not wanting to keep you long, but I just want you to spend a minute, if you can, just finding your way back uh, to a place of hope. And just, just turn inward and spend a minute with God and just maybe ask yourself this question, something like this. Uh, where have I let hope die? What did I used to believe or where did I used to believe that I just feel like it's just a stump now? It's just gone. And then God is able to come with resurrection power, the same resurrection power that comes and heals Lazarus, raises him from the dead, the same power that raises Jesus from the dead, can come in and raise your hope from the dead. <laughs> and you can say, there's no way I can believe for a better future. Well, he can come and, and bring new growth out of that stump. So they can go ahead and pass, but this is the question, where have I let hope die? And then find your way back to hope and let him bring that hope to life.
This is the invitation. It's on the screen. This is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed. Come, because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. So come to the table. So Jesus, tonight, we all come to your table. And for some of us, so timid. Some of us so meekly with our heads uh, dropped. But I just have this picture of you just welcoming us in being happy to see us. So much of our hearts sometimes can be like this storm that's raging. But then when we come to your table, it's like the storm inside of us stills. And we see you. And we remember you. And we, we just enjoy you. We come to this place where all are welcome, but few come. So we just say thank you. All equally welcome, all equally undeserving. We come to your table and we say thank you for your hope. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your life. To you tonight, my brothers and sisters, 
Jesus is saying this, this is my body that's broken for you. And this is my blood that's poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So tonight, we remember your death. We proclaim your resurrection. And we await your return. We remember your death. We proclaim your resurrection. And we await your return. So let's eat the bread and drink from the cup together. So let me pray for you. Father God, I know that I'm sitting in front of a group of people that for many of them have lots of things in their lives that feel sawed down, and that there is no reason for hope. And everything in their life, it, it seems to say that things won't be getting any better. If history repeats itself, things won't be getting any better. But Father, we believe that you're bringing green, new, even tiny, little life. Those, those stories that we thought were over, you're continuing to write. So we find our way to hope. If you can hear my voice, people, I just want you to hear this tonight. After God made all those promises to the Israelites and they didn't come to pass, there was just a lot of detours. And even with all of the detours, God was still doing something beautiful. I just think somebody needs to hear this tonight. Um, for someone who feels like their life has taken a lot of detours, I want you to know that God is still doing something beautiful. I know some of you in here have taken inconvenient routes. Let's just say that a few of us in the room have taken the scenic route a time or two. But God didn't give up on you. He's not befuddled. And the message of Advent is this, that we take heart and we find hope. Just because it feels like you're in the wilderness does not mean that God is not still working. I've asked the band to just play uh, the verse and a chorus of a really simple song. I, I believe it's beautiful uh, for the Advent season. So just stay in your seat, and I hope you enjoy it.
swept away He never fails So take heart Let His love lead us through the night Hold on to Father tonight would you allow your spirit to blow into the hearts of people that have no hope help us to see you to see beauty to see new life may we be people who find courage may we be people who find your hope May we be people who find a reason to believe again. Let me thank you. Let me thank you. So, Father, we're just so in awe of you. We commit our lives to follow after you. We say most of all that we trust you. We know that you're in charge of our lives and our futures. So we rest in you. We say thank you. It's in your son's name. Everybody said.